0: Grabbing your Bibles to get to Genesis one this morning. I have to say, uh, Brandon's been cracking us up lately. We ask uh, he asked why we don't call the night before Easter Easter Eve because you have Christmas Eve, you got New Year's Eve, and then he started talking. We started talking about Genesis, and he goes, "There's Adam and Eve. There's Eves everywhere." So there you go. And then. Um, Last week, as I was at home being a baby, I mean, as I was at home, and, and Lisa was here. She uh, stayed a little after. and was talking with Krista, Eason and and Brandon and Grace and were up here playing around and stuff. And Brandon was up near the pulpit. And Lisa goes, "You gonna you gonna preach?" And he goes, "Yes." And he launches. And she goes, "What are you gonna preach?" And he goes, "Genesis." And he launches right into Genesis. And um, and she goes, "He, he did pretty good." So I finally asked him and. And, like, we're always quizzing them, like, you know, Sunday school, hey, what'd you learn today, those things, you know, just, you know, not, not checking up on children's ministry, but just trying to find out what's going on, you know, and stuff. And, uh, and you know, that, so they have good lessons and all that, and, I mean, we've gone over Adam and Eve, we've gone, you know, we've been taking them through the Bible here and there and do different things and stuff, and so we're thinking, you know, he learned this from us or from Sunday school, and we're like, well, so where'd you learn all that? And he goes, oh, the app from my phone. Hey, whatever it takes, right? He has a Bible app, so he likes to go through it. So there you go. Oh, well, let's be in Genesis 1, 20 this morning. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God cre- uh, created the great creatures of the sea, and every living thing... With which water teems and that moves about it, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, "Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill fill the water in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth." And there was evening, and there was morning, and that was the fifth day. And we covered most of that last week. We've been talk I mean, uh, last time we were in Genesis, and we've been talking about the creative genius of God, and there's all these different types of creatures, and, you know, even the ones that, that, that don't look like they're made for a purpose, and we're like, why is that mosquito here on earth? You know, we always bring up the mosquito because we can't stand it, but we see the hand of God on all these different creatures, and as I study my mind kind of, I have to, like, focus sometimes because my mind goes all over the place, and uh, I, I heard a woodpecker the other day, and it got me thinking. I mean, I grew up with, you know, the cartoon Woody the Woodpecker and all that. And Well, uh, Woody the Woodpecker, it's a red-cockled woodpecker, okay? And it has four very sharp claws in it that latches onto a pine tree. And it uses its beak to carve a hole into it, and, you know, so it can live in the pine tree. Well, its main predator is the rat snake. So to prevent the rat snake from getting to it the woodpecker will peck a hole above its nest and one that's below its nest. And the rat snake comes in contact with all this resin and it can't move and, and, you know, attach itself to the tree and literally falls out of the tree. Now, to keep this resin flowing, you know, the stickiness of the pine tree, to keep it flowing, it has to maintain the holes, right? I don't know. I grew up with pine trees, okay? I mean, you, if you want it to stay sticky, you got to keep chopping at it and stuff. Well, a woodpecker can can hit its beak onto the tree 500 times a minute. That's eight per second. That's 13 miles per hour. I mean, this is someone running full blast. Not necessarily me, someone really athletic, okay. Just going at it with their head full blast into a tree. Eight, eight times per second. 500 times per minute. Now, would we survive this? Okay, come on, wake up, people. Would we survive this? Absolutely not. Our heads aren't made that way. They're not designed to cushion like that. God has made the woodpecker to be able to do that. It's an amazing thing. So then I started thinking about fish, and you have the archer fish, and and God has designed the archer fish with this chamber in its mouth, and archer fish will literally load itself up with water, and then stick its head above the water and can press all that water out, and it's like a laser shot of water coming out, and it will hit a grasshopper or some type of bug on a limb that's above the water and knock it off with precision into the water, and then he eats. It's a nice, quick meal. It's amazing. You learn a lot from watching your kids' shows like Wild Kratts and other things like that, okay? but there's amazing creatures. There's the hermit crab. I mean, it doesn't even have its own shell. So they take discarded shells, and they have two different size uh, uh, hands or you know little claws. Okay, One's big and one's small, and they don't really use their front claws to walk on. Um, they will walk on their back legs to find another shell, and they will grab the shell with their little claw, and they will fit themselves into the thing and then they will take the big claw and close over the entrance of the shell and that way a predator doesn't get to them it's an amazing thing now just in case a predator comes by they they like to hang out with sea anemones okay and they ward off predators together and the sea anemone will you know eat the leftovers from the hermit crab so, I mean, you have these guys working in conjunction. When it outgrows that shell, the anemone will go with him to the next shell. It's an amazing thing. We can see the hand of God in everything, in all the creatures. It screams a designer that made them. And it's the height of folly to look at the creatures that God has made and, says, and say something like, Wow, it all evolved by chance and accident. It's the height of folly to do that. So God says all the birds uh, and all the sea creatures were created by God on the fifth day of creation. Verse 24, it goes on, it says, and God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kind, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, the wild animals, each according to its kind, and it was so. God made the wild animals according to its kind, the livestock according to its kind, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was Good. The biblical record here makes it very clear. They did not evolve, did not come from lower forms of life. God made them instantly. The livestock, you know, the domesticated stuff like sheep and goats and oxen, stuff like that. The ground creatures like the reptiles and the insects. You have wild animals here the lions, the bears, you know, elephants, dinosaurs, all of them. And when God said, let the land produce living creatures according to its kind. It is not saying the earth will produce the life from the dirt. God was alluding to the fact that creatures are made of all the same elements of the earth. In chapter 2, verse 19, God confirms this. The Lord confirms this. He says, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the Uh, to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So God made all the animals out of the dust of the earth, which is what he also made Adam and Eve. The human body is made out of the dust of the earth. The things in our body did not come from, from the elements from the core of the earth or anything like that. You take all the elements, 59 elements, that are all found on the crust, the upper surface of the earth, and that's what we're made out of. And when we die, we'll all go back to the same elements that we were created created from, dust to dust. Genesis 3.19, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. That is the body. We will return to dust. As believers, our souls go where? They go to be with the Lord. As Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So our body, you know, sleeps in a sense, or whatever you want to call it, turns back to dust, and and God will somehow miraculously put it back together, you know, at the rapture time, and, you know, our bodies will be made new and all that kind of stuff, but our soul does not sleep. And we know this from Luke 16, when a wealthy man died, you know... uh, this, this man who didn't help Lazarus. And, you know, this man was over in, in Hades and, and, and calling, saying, please help me and stuff. But Hades is a place of judgment. It's a holding place. See, we live in a body from this earth. And when we get our new body, God will transform us. And I, you know, I, I have this used sports car body right now, you know, and I'm hoping for an upgrade. When the time comes, you know, barely make it uphill, engine going full blast. Okay, well, anyway, I'll get back to, you know, I'm like one of those hippie buses from the 60s, you know, just going along. Okay. Get back to the insects of the ground. Insects are fascinating creatures. Have you ever heard of the bombardier beetles? My son would love to have this ability, okay? They live in the southwest, west, and they really baffle the evolutionists, okay? because they make two different kinds of chemicals within their body, and it's stored in two different places. And, you know, by, the, by themselves, these two chemicals are harmless, but together they explode. Okay? So the beetle, you know, it can't fly away fast. It can't get away. So ants will crawl up to the beetle, and the beetle will, put, will, will shoot out these two chemicals with precision and hit right on the ant's head at the same time, and it goes poof, That's pretty cool, right? Okay, get your mind to a seven-year-old capacity. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. You know, it's an exact timing. One second late in the pumping out of the chambers, it'd all be messed up. It wouldn't work. Now, how did this thing evolve? How did it survive? Because if they say we evolved from something worse to something better... I mean, this thing would have been blowing up all the time, would have never made it to the better. You know what I'm saying? It it kind of baffles the evolutionist. Now, the final category in verse 24 and 25, the beast of the earth, lions and tigers and wolves and bears and nomai oh and all that kind of stuff, would include the dinosaurs. And scholars believe they died out after the flood because earth dramatically changed at that point. Uh, the climate changed dramatically. In fact, man used to live so many years longer. You look at uh, uh, how long did Methuselah, I think it was, the uh, oldest man of the Bible, if I'm correct, um, live like 900 and some odd years. You know, so those that think you're middle-aged, you're, you're young, okay? So just think, you know, that way. Um, but, but now we live up to, all, you know, almost 120 years, not quite, you know. But God, you know, God created it this way, but it changed everything. But God made a variety of creatures on the fifth day. And yet nothing near what he starts to do in verse 26. Verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock and all the wild creatures, or animals, and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Roll over the fish in the the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, as remarkable as sea creatures are, and birds and insects and animals... And as credible as they are, I mean, we, we all like going and seeing something, you know, like that. I mean, when you, I mean, my, my goal in life is to see blue whale when I'm out snorkeling in Hawaii. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's happened a couple of times. Blue whales come in right in where the snorkelers are. And so it's an amazing thing. But as amazing as these animals are, when God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness. That's even more amazing. Animals are not made in the image of God. You and I are made in the image of God. Talking about a morale booster, talking about an ego booster, you are made in the image of God. And he's not saying it two different ways here. He's he's emphasizing it when he's saying, let us make it in our image, in our likeness. It's Hebrew uh, parallelism, as they call it, one emphasizing the other. I mean, this is huge. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? Well, first off, it's it's tied to the plurality of God. Let us make man. Us is a clear reference to the Trinity of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three separate persons made up who make up God. Now, Jehovah's Witnesses will say, well, you know, he's talking about the angels here but angels don't create. Nowhere in the scriptures does it ever say that angels create anything. God is the creator. This goes back to the very first verse of the Bible that we spent how many weeks in? I don't know. Don't go there. But I'm just saying that God, you know, the word God there in Hebrew is plural. For us in English, you know, we put a noun in there that's either singular or plural. Well, in Hebrew, it's, you know, it's one or two. You know, Hebrew, it's three choices. You got singular, you have dual, uh, other words, two, eight, or you have three or more. And the first verse of the Bible, it is plural. The word for God, singular, is L E L e-l, in Hebrew. God in the dual is L-O, elo, e-l-o, And God for three or more, which is more, just three, is elohim. Elohim. In the first verse of the Bible, you go to the Hebrew, it says Elohim. In other words, all three of them created a singular heaven and earth. So you start to see the Trinity from the very beginning of the Bible. The same thing in, here in verse uh, 26. Then God, the plural, said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. The likeness of God. So did God make man to look exactly like himself? Not necessarily. I mean, remember, God God is spirit. He has no form. God made man to look like him. Spirit, soul, and body. But also, like God, we can think of, you know, we can think and we can communicate in abstract concepts. We have this ability. Nothing else has this ability. Animals don't have this ability to think in the abstract like we do. I mean, think about our language. One word can bring up so many different things, right? Let's take a word. I don't know. How about Hawaii? I don't know. I mean, it brings up different things to different people, right? Yeah. But let's think of, you know, that's more of a physical word. Let's think about something abstract. Truth, justice, mercy, forbearance. See, we can think in abstract concepts because God is made like that, so therefore we can. We are also created with the laws of God in our hearts. Man is a moral being, unlike animals. Okay, unlike animals. Animals aren't moral, but man can be moral. Now, there's a lot of immoral men and women out there too, don't get me wrong. But we have the ability to think in a moral concept Animals are not moral beings. God wrote this law onto our hearts. Holiness, wisdom, and grace, and truth, and righteousness, and we could go on and on and on. Now, another attribute, we have this ability to be creative. We can imagine. We can think. We can invent uh, to, to make things that go beyond what animals can do. I mean, once, once in a while, someone will elevate the animal kingdom to our level and and you know you know this animal that can fly and you know they're so strong or they're gifted hunters but but we have the ability to think and and imagine and and create in a certain way a, you know so we've invented things that can fly you know that's an amazing thing things that can lift or things that can start, uh, you know surpass anything in nature i don't see a dog creating a new dog phone do you you know man is superior that's the way god made it now lastly we have this ability to worship god and enjoy him forever only man can worship now we think our animals worship us right because we're their their owner we feed them but they don't really worship only man can truly worship and that's what separates us from the animals ultimately what is god He is a relational being. He loves, he communicates all those wonderful things. He gave us the ability to have deep relationships with each other. And it starts in the home, it starts in marriages. He wants us to have that relationship, those friendships. He wants us to have that fellowship with each other. Now, one of the worst things that can happen to a person is what? To be put in solitary confinement all the you know all the big wigs all the scholars all this I mean this just drives a person nuts to cut them off from other human beings because fellowship is built into us and he wants us to have fellowship with each other and especially with him God is love and he made man to fellowship with himself Now, what interrupted all this fellowship? <laughs> Our sin. And what restored that fellowship? Jesus Christ. And we will enter into all eternity by faith. Only man was created for all eternity. Yes, there's creatures in heaven, and it's amazing some of the stuff that the the, the little we know about heaven, I mean, it's an amazing some of these creatures, they have wings, they got all the sorts of different things. But I haven't seen anywhere in the Bible that says that all dogs go to heaven like the movie says. You know what I'm saying? Now, don't say that to a little kid that's lost their dog. Or, you know, or don't say, no, they're not in heaven. I mean, you'll just crush them. You know what I'm saying? But for us to understand all these animals, they're not in heaven. I don't know what God does. I don't know if he creates a new one. I don't know. But the only creature with a soul is man. And we will spend it in one of two places. Either heaven or or hell, unfortunately. Matthew 25, verse 46, you know, separated, the, you know, Jesus talking about separating the sheep from the goats here, and it says, then he will go away, uh, then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Hell is a forever place also. They're eternal places, heaven and hell. The scriptures say that someday the entire physical universe will be, re- uh, be destroyed and replaced. We'll get a new heaven, a new earth, we'll have a new environment. In 2 Peter 3.10 uh, it says, but the, uh, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. And why is this going to happen? Because Adam fell. Adam screwed it up. He blew it for all of creation. We like to blame it on Eve and all that kind of stuff. They were both in on it, okay. But the entire universe was messed up because of what they did. I mean, talking about messing up, the whole universe. I mean, Adam's got a lot of explaining to do. You know what I'm saying? Paul says the whole creation is groaning all because of sin. All because of sin. And God is going to wipe all that out and he's going to replace it. It goes on in verse 13 there. But in keeping with this promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. At the end of day, you know, at the end of the day uh, of creation, God said what? Each day he said what? It was good. End of day six, he looks over everything, and he says what? It was very good. He adds another word there. It was a good universe, and man was very good, and it was corrupted by sin. And when we get a replacement, it's going to be very, very good. Redemption is what's needed. In fact, 31 verses for creation, that's all there is to to explain creation. And we're like, God, why didn't you fill up volumes and volumes? Because I want to understand every little bit, because I want to be able to answer these questions that all these people throw at me. All you have to do is start uh, the foundation. In the beginning, there was God. In the beginning, there was God. But 31 verses for creation, and the rest of the Bible is about what? Redemption. The saving grace of God. What is the purpose of redemption? Let me give you a hint. It goes way beyond not going to hell. It goes way beyond that. It's all about the relationship. It's all about restoring the righteous relationship that we have with God because that's what God wants, a community to truly worship Him that surrounds the throne of God that says, I worship you, I praise you, I follow your ways. In John four twenty-three it says, Yet a time is coming, and now a time has come, uh, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshiper the Father seeks we had to be saved so we could worship the lord and it's our choice in revelation all of creation culminates in worship of our savior and lord worship will never get still in the end I don't think uh, in the end, I mean, I know we all have preferences for style of worship, or we like this song, or we like that song, or we go, oh, that one's played too much, or whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter how big, how small your church is, there's always people out there that, that have these thoughts. I mean, I've had the same thoughts. I've grown up in all different types of churches and stuff. And, and, and for some reason, we have to check ourselves and say, well, what am I here doing? What am I here to worship God for? Not to pay attention to all whatever everybody else is doing. Am I truly worshiping God? But in the end, we're not going to be going, oh man, I wish that God would play a different song. You know what I'm saying? We may think that now, but in the end, oh man, we're going to be worshiping our Lord and Savior. It's going to be a beautiful thing, and worship will never get sell, still. Never. Now because of all this, Man was uh, the crowning of, of God's creation, and all of creation was uh, you know, all of creation was for man. It was made for us. And we forget about that. Everything prepared a perfect place for Adam and Eve. Man is the purpose of creation. God's grace, God's mercy, God's compassion, His love was lavished over Adam and Eve. God physically came and walked among them. He sought them out. It's an amazing thing. And sin corrupted that. Man's, worship's, you know, uh, man's worship in, in the creation today is, in uh, other words, we like to worship the creation instead of the creator. Have you noticed that? I mean, how sad is this? I, I read this morning that some guy in New York, I think it was New York, set himself on fire. He wanted to commit suicide. And he, di- he poured gasoline all over himself and set himself on, uh, on fire. And, his, and he left a note for the police in, in his car. And basically he was saying, I'm using carbon fuel to commit suicide to bring um, people's attention to the, play, uh, to the point that we're misusing carbon fuel. I mean, we're, I mean how screwed up is this? We're worshiping the creation and not the creator. We were created for a purpose. We were created on a purpose. It's absolutely absurd to, to, to think of something as complex as our body. All the, the you know all because of, of billions of mutations in our cells is what they think happened to create you know us. You know one thing is. Scientists have never observed mutations in cells that makes things better. Things are always devolving, devolving, you know, going, getting worse. It's a basic fundamental law. It's the law of entropy from order to disorder. You know, this is the opposite of the theory of evolution. Evolution, everything gets better, right? Let me tell you what else Darwin said. He said, If it were ever shown that the smallest particles were irreducibly complex, then my theory would completely break down. He believed that the single-cell organism was as dumb as they come. About as complex as a ping-pong ball, okay? Then all of a sudden, the electron microscope showed up, was invented, and then DNA was discovered. DNA, I mean the basic building blocks of our cells. The DNA is so complex it carries all the information to completely clone you. And they've already started, you know, they take a cell out of a dog and they're cloning dogs, you know. In China they are said that they're trying to clone humans, you know. And, you know, our society says that's not right, we shouldn't be doing that. But in other places they're trying to do this kind of stuff. But it's so complex that scientists say the chance of a DNA molecule... Forming by accident, in other words, evolution, is 1 in 10 to the 130th power, random chance. In other words, this means mathematically impossible. But let's assume there's one chance of it happening every second since the universe was started according to science, okay, which is somewhere around 6 billion years ago. Some say older, some say less, but let's stick with 6 billion years ago. So one chance every second, for six billion years. That's only 10 to the power of 17th power. OK? We just we're, we're talking 10 to the power uh, of 130th power. You see what I'm saying? That only goes to 17. So let's take one of those seconds and divide it by 1,000, and then take one 1,000th of a second and divide it by 1,000. This is called a microsecond, a millionth of a second. And let's take a millionth of a second and divide it by 1,000, and then you have a nanosecond. You've heard the term nanosecond, right? Hopefully you have. Okay. This is a billionth of a second. This only turns out to be 10 to the 26 nanoseconds in 6 billion years. You see my point? There's not enough time. It doesn't come close to uh, 1 in 10 to the 130th power of the chance factor here. For one molecule to happen by accident, this proves to any rational person the absurdity of evolution. But unfortunately, the Bible tells us that people have been blinded. Satan has blinded people where they don't think rationally, they don't think things through like this, they just dismiss this and go, oh, come on, it's, it, evolution is true. And they're just blinded by it. But our DNA is like a computer. Our genetic structure in our DNA, it contains everything. Nowhere in the DNA code, you know, is a code that allows the change from one species to another species. I mean, the, the more scientists learn about genetics, the more they have a problem with evolution. Where did genetic information come from? It's coded into our DNA. Someone had to put it there. Without that, nothing happens. It was designed. It didn't just fall into place by accident. Well, what about mutations? Changes, you know, occur to, you know, certain mutations, changes will occur to change appearance and stuff, but nowhere do we ever see mutations that changes from one species to another. And I know I've kind of you know, beat the heck out of this concept over the past several weeks, but I think we need to understand we can't just go, well, I'm an evolutionist Christian. No. In the beginning was God. In the beginning was God. It all started with God. You can't be a, a, a Christian evolutionist. There's no such thing. Mutations can alter or destroy the DNA code, but it doesn't introduce new code. Mutations are, are genetic mistakes that are brought on by the fall of man, when sin was introduced nowhere do we ever see genetic mutations take a simple form of life and alter it to a higher form of life. It just doesn't happen. A professor of genetics at Berkeley Professor Richard Goldsmith who is not a Christian okay, brought up some issues when it comes to these things. He, he was sitting there going well i don't understand this if evolution is true then what about this this and this and his colleagues went after him with a vengeance scientists go crazy when you challenge evolution because really it's a faith system science is their god and when you challenge somebody's god i mean look out right But here he, he's honest when he talks about mutations. He said, suppose a random event, in other words, a mutation, could reconstruct a complex organ like a kidney it is as reasonable as to suppose an improved watch can be designed by throwing an old watch against the wall. So this is how the Apple Watch got designed, right? They took a whole bunch of old watches and they just threw it against the wall and Apple Watch, right? Same concept. Psalms 100 says, Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. God made us, we didn't make ourselves. Psalms 139, For you were created my, uh, for you created my in, inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I fearfully and wonderfully, uh, wonderfully made your works are wonderful. I know that full well. The truth is in the word of God. Well, let's end back in Genesis, verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make man- a mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that we may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God He created them, male and female. He created them. In the Hebrew language, Genesis one twenty six is in the emphatic. In other words, He's emphasizing here the one male and the one female. That's what God created. It wasn't a group. Adam didn't go along going, hmm, I like them, but I I like her, but she's blonde. I, I like the brunette better. You know, he didn't have, God created a male and a female, and they procreated. This is how God designed it. Adam also didn't have the option for divorce. Eve didn't have the option for divorce. This is how God designed it. That was it. Jesus quotes this verse when he's confronted, and they told Jesus, well, Moses told us that we could put away our wives. In other words, we could divorce them. If we found any uncleanliness for her and for any reason, what do you say? Because, I mean, the Jewish person could be like, oh, you burnt my toast. I'm divorcing you. All they had to do was write it out, and boom, you were divorced instantly. You didn't even have to go to court or nothing. And it became so commonplace I mean, can you believe that? People just commonly divorcing their wives or their husbands. I mean, that's unfathomable, right? (laughs) Jesus said, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning." Is a pattern that we should do everything that we can do to follow. Marriage is sometimes difficult. Marriage is sometimes hard. It is rewarding. It can be beautiful. And we should do everything in our power and in God's power to preserve it. Amen? There's not an option for anything other than man and woman either. God didn't create Adam and Steve. I'm sorry as much as the Bible, I mean much as the world wants us to, to say it that way, and I mean, every, every TV show, I mean, the character, you got to have a, a character like that on the show. As much as the world wants us to say that and say that we're bigoted for not saying it, that's not how it happened. I'm sorry. I, you know, I, many of you guys know I have friends that are gay. Um, I'm friends with them. They know I disagree with it. I don't be like, "Oh my god, stay away. I, I can't even be in your presence." I don't I don't act like that. I you know, I love them. I I want them to see the light. I don't beat them over the head about it, but they know where I stand on it. But sin has messed up this world where the world says marry whoever you want, man or woman, man or man, woman or woman. But we don't live by the world's standards. We don't live by the world's standards when it comes to marriage. We don't live by the world's standard on anything. We live by God's standard. What a, I mean, if you, if you have children, have you ever said something like this? Well, you aren't in so and so's family. Anyone else, or maybe that's just me. You act like this because you're a part of our family. You don't act like them. You're not. You're not a part of their family. I'm sorry. We live by God's standard, His law. And praise the Lord. There's grace. And there's mercy as we stand before the Lord, because we're going to break a standard, right? No, no one out there. We're going to break a standard, right? Every one of us. We also live by the standard of forgiveness, praise God. And we stand before Him, and we ask for forgiveness, and it's granted so, you know, if, you, if you've been divorced, it's not the end all of end all of end all of end all of sins. I mean, I grew up in our church, man. If you got divorced, oh, man, that was it. I mean, you were ostracized forever, you know. We can have forgiveness, and praise the Lord for that. It's granted. But don't make, you know, don't mistake the, the forgiveness for agreement on an ungodly lifestyle. That's what, you know, I need to my my friends that are of the other persuasion, as we like to say nowadays, because we can't say they're gay or we can't say this or that, you know. They understand where I stand on this. And they understand, and they don't mistake my friendship with them as agreement for their lifestyle. One of the saddest things that I think points to the end times is the whole concept of, of gender confusion. And homosexuality, they're trying to introduce it at the younger and younger of ages. And, and uh, you know, kids' books where they're, they're, they're almost, I don't want to say it's mandated because it's probably not, but it almost seems like they're mandated to start reading in first grade and second grade and stuff like that about, you know, so-and-so's two moms or so-and-so's two dads and all this stuff. And it's like, it, you know, man, it, it confuses the kids. And the fall and the rebellion of man has led really to this mess because we, we have rejected the designer. If we are a result of mutations and some accident, then there are no rules. Then there are no differences between man and woman, right? It doesn't matter if that's, if that's what the world wants to believe and that's what the world says we have to believe. But reality is, we don't believe in that. We believe in a creator and a designer, and how he did things does matter to us. If we were designed, it's a huge difference. I mean, men and women complement each other, right? We're not made to compete, we're made to complement. Women seem to be more compassionate, right? And praise the Lord, because my son needs compassion that comes along with my hard-nosed discipline that I do with him. You know what I'm saying? My wife and I compliment each other in that. And I have to learn that compassion for You know what I'm saying? And, and that's a good thing. It doesn't mean that women aren't as good as men or men aren't as good as women. It just means that God made us a little differently. That's okay. I mean, if everybody was made like me, the world would be perfect, Right? I mean, that's what we think. We don't say it out loud, but that's what we think. If this person would just think like I do, then there wouldn't be a problem. Men are best at being men. Women are best at being women. And that's how God designed it. It's not a knock on one or the other. God designed it, and we live by it. And that's how it should be our foundation the beginning of what we believe is in the beginning God and then it goes from there because if we start in the beginning evolution then there's no rules there's no moral authority there's no I mean what is sin then sin is defined by what you think is okay and what I think is okay and for me, this isn't sin. But for you, it might be sin, so that's okay. That's how the world sees it. But our, our foundation is, no, 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 no. God created this. These are God's laws. We're going to mess up in the middle of trying to follow God's precepts, God's laws. We're going to mess it up, but we get grace and we, give for, we get forgiveness. And then God wants us to turn around and give that same grace and forgiveness to other people when they mess up because no one's ever hurt you before, right? No one ever messes up against you, right? No, we've all been hurt. We've all had a train knock us upside the head and we go, "What the heck just happened?" And God sometimes after a while, you know, sometimes it takes a while. God comes back and says, "Okay, now that same grace I gave you, the same mercy I gave you, I want you to try and give to them." That doesn't have to be, it mean that you have to be best friends and all those type of things, you know, whatever situation is, But God wants you to give that grace and that mercy. He wants, you that, he wants so much stuff in you that's from him that when you get hit, what sloshes out? He sloshes out. And he is our foundation. He is our designer. And that's what we believe. So why don't we stand and pray as the worship team comes and finishes up this morning. Lord, you are, you are an amazing being that we do not fully comprehend at all. Your ways are not like our ways. Your desires are different than ours most of the time. And yet, Lord, you're a creator, you're a designer, and we want to follow you. We pray that in the people that we meet, that we see you in them. Sometimes we meet people, Lord, and, and we see the world, but we really want to see you in them. And give us that opportunity to introduce you to them, that there is a better way in this life, and that way is you, and following your laws, following your desires. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine down upon you, and may you reflect your Creator. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.